And we are officially back. Welcome to another brand new episode of the Locked On College Football Podcast. I am Jordan Reed. He is Jonah Tolls. And like I said, we are officially back. We have a special show for you guys today. The first segment, we are going to debate the college football playoff rankings. And there was a bit of a twist and a bit of a wrench thrown into them this week. And then during the second half of the show, we will debate and have a special Thanksgiving-themed type of debate for you guys where we compare Thanksgiving food to prospects. So a bit of a fun show and a twist to today to today's show, but we're really excited to get this show out to you guys. But first, I have to check in with my terrific co-host as well. Jonah, how's everything going today? Man, we are one day away from Turkey Day. Can you believe it? I mean, I, I'm honestly counting down the hours, the minutes, and the seconds. I just can't wait for it. Speaking Turkey. of seconds, I'm going to be getting seconds of mashed potatoes on uh, <laughs> Thursday, who I'll be comparing to a prospect I really like at the second segment of the show. I, I am really excited for this debate just because we're going to be comparing prospects to Thanksgiving food. And, of course, this is one of my favorite holidays just because I'm big on family. And, of course, you incorporate football. So I just love the exact vibe that you get from Thanksgiving and everything associated with it. You're going to be at the Cowboys game, so you're going to have a lot of fun for this holiday season as well. But you got anything else special planned for for the holidays? Listen, man, hey, we talked about this a lot in the podcast. The curse was broken. I went to the Eagles game. (laughs) I was, what, 0-5 before that game? Yes. I'm wearing the exact same outfit I wore to the Eagles game. And we're going to win this game against Joe Marino's Fighting Bills. We're going to do it. And, you know, I'm a very superstitious person. When I broke the curse, I was wearing a Cowboys polo and some slacks. You can be damn sure I'm wearing the same Cowboys polo and the same slacks to that game on Thursday. (laughs) It's a must-win game for these coaches, by the way. I don't know if you saw Jerry Jones' comments, but he is still livid at that loss against the Patriots. Yeah. He said the special teams is not just a reflection of the special teams coach, but on the head coach. And You would think like an owner would be kind of like frustrated in the moment, but not two days after. And that's right. how it was today. So a lot of, I guess, Cowboys media believe this could be a must-win game for some of these coaches or changes will be made. I tell you what, this game doesn't seem as easy as it once did when the schedule first came out. I, I will say that. I think this is going to be a very challenging game for the Cowboys just because the Bills are pretty good this year. And I know they have beat up on some bottom dwellers this year for the most part, but This defense, they're very talented. Josh Allen, he's no easy out. So the Cowboys' defense is going to be tested. And in this offense, we've seen how inconsistent they can be at times. So this is going to be a bit of a challenge for them. And I'm really interested to see exactly how this Cowboys team responds, especially after Jerry Jones' comments. But I do want to ask you, let's say the Cowboys do disappoint in this game and they end up losing. Do you think Jason Garrett would be gone after this game? Or do you think Jerry Jones would let him finish out the season? Let me let me preface this by saying this right right here. Jason Garrett's not getting fired midseason. Let's just stop that talk right now. When I say making changes, I'm saying reshuffling the coordinators, or I'm saying you know firing the special teams coordinator. He, he will if they lose to the Bills, someone's getting fired. It's not gonna be Garrett, but someone on this coaching staff will be because Jerry need. I think he has the tendency, or he'll feel the need to make a statement. Um, so. If, if they lose to the Bills on you know, on Thanksgiving, man, some someone's getting fired. You never want to call for someone's job. I'm not doing that. I'm just stating the reality of the situation. Jerry's pissed, and when Jerry's pissed and you combine that with a consecutive loss, it, 
bad things are going to happen. Without question. So it's going to be interesting, and I'm sure we'll dive into that game recap on our Friday show if we do end up getting to it just because we have the holidays and, you know, we have the family thing going on. And, of course, we have other things that we want to get to as well. But, of course, like I said in the first segment of the show, we're going to get to the college football playoff rankings. And this was a bit unpredictable as far as exactly what was going to happen in the college football playoff ranking. And what I mean is that Ohio State overtook LSU. And a lot of people did not see that coming. That was a bit of a surprise. So just to give you a quick recap of the top 10, Ohio State 1, LSU 2, Clemson 3, and Georgia 4. Those were the people that rounded out the top four of the college football playoff ranking. And then on the outside looking in, we have Alabama at 5, Utah at 6, Oklahoma at 7, your Minnesota Golden Gophers at 8, Baylor at 9, and then Penn State at 10. So, not much of a shakeup overall, but the biggest difference from last week coming from Ohio State taking over number one and then LSU slipping back in a sense to that number two spot, which I thought was really, really surprising just because of the resume that they did have to this point. And Ohio State, they haven't they haven't had a soft schedule by any means or anything like that. They had an impressive win over Penn State last week. But LSU, they have big wins over Auburn, Florida, Alabama, and some other teams. Texas is another one that was an impressive win at the time over a top-10-ranked team. So I think LSU definitely has a more impressive resume. I think that's why it was so surprising to see them slip back to that second spot. And I want to see or I want to hear a better explanation as to why Ohio State overtook LSU at that second spot. But, of course, there's still it's a long way to go to see who who the final four teams are going to be in this this race just because we still have the, the Big Ten championship game. We still have the, the SEC championship game and some other championship games as well. So this race is far from over. But I want to get your take on this. What, were your, what was your biggest takeaway from the latest college football playoff rankings? Man, and to be honest, my biggest takeaway wasn't the number one and two spot. And I think the biggest takeaway happened Saturday night because we've been talking about the, the, the bubble, right? We talk about like the Utahs, the Alabamas, the Baylors, Oklahomas, all those guys. The biggest loser in all this was Utah because you look at how Oregon lost to Arizona State. If, even if they win the Pac-12 championship, is that going to have much value? More so than Oklahoma beating Baylor in the Big 12 championship. You know what I mean? So like, I think Utah's stock really took a hit when Oregon lost. So that was big for them. So that, that was my big takeaway from Saturday affecting the college football playoff rankings was the Pac-12's value, I guess, decreasing from that Oregon loss. So Oregon's loss, ironically, hurt Utah. Um, but then on the other, on the flip side, I think people arguing the one and two spot, I think, you know, it's, it has validity. I think LSU, I think, always has a more impressive resume. They have, the, I think, the clear Heisman uh, front runner and Joe Burrow. They have the best winning college football so far against Alabama. So it's going to be interesting to see, like I said, I want an explanation from the committee of why they put Ohio State over LSU. I think it's because they're just living in the moment. And, you know, Ohio State, that's the only thing I can think of, really. Ohio State just being Penn State, Chase Young having a three-sack game. I think they're just living in the moment Ohio State beginning this big win. So I, I think it's going to swing back and forth as we go along. But um, at, at the end of the day, if Alabama gets in as a four spot, Clemson's the third spot. I mean, does, do the one and two seeds even matter at that point? Because Clemson and Alabama are just so good anyways, it's not really going to be a big difference in level of competition. I can understand those Clemson and Georgia, because I would definitely want to play Georgia over Clemson. But if it's Clemson and Alabama, man, those one and two spots don't even matter. I think the biggest winner was Alabama, just because 
I think they're going to really reap the benefits from the SEC championship game, especially if LSU does lose. But I still think if LSU does lose to Georgia, I still think they should be placed in the college football playoff just because I think they're by far one of the four best teams in the country. And that would be their first loss of the year if they do go on to lose to Georgia in the SEC championship game. And I'm just, I just think Georgia is shaky, man. I just don't think they deserve to be in over Alabama, especially considering that loss to South Carolina. And then Alabama's only loss came to LSU. I just don't think there's any way they could really explain and back up to how they could put Georgia in over Alabama. And the only way they can do that is if Georgia does end up beating LSU. And we'll see if that does happen here in a couple of weeks. I think that's going to be a very interesting game. We'll see what does happen there. But I just don't think that Georgia is one of the four best teams in the country. And I think the reason because Alabama is out is because of the whole two attack by lower factor and him being down. So we know college football is all about ratings. And I just want to see the four best teams being in there. So if that is Alabama at the four spot or Georgia at the four spot, I really won't complain. I just want to see the four best teams. And even without Tua, I still think Alabama is better than Georgia. And there's no way, even if LSU does lose to Georgia, there's no way they can keep them out just because of the strength of their resume and what they have done to this point. Let me throw you a scenario really quick. So, what if my Minnesota Gold? I'm not gonna say Minnesota's gonna get in. Don't, don't. I'm not gonna go there. <laughs> but uh, I've already gone down that path once. Um, but let's just say Minnesota faces Ohio State in the Big Ten championship. Let's say Ohio State loses to Minnesota. Now you have one loss, Ohio State, one loss, Alabama. I know you know conference championship. Ohio State got there. Alabama didn't. But do you still put Ohio State over Alabama in that regard? I think you have to, just because. There's no way you can exclude, and I always go back to this being about ratings, just because I have conspiracy theories about that and the whole reason some things happened last year. But you want to see star players in this college football playoff just because that's what drives ratings. That's what fans are going to pay attention to. You want to have headliner names in this entire event, and I don't even think it's to them. I don't even think it's really about exactly who deserves to be in there. But it's going to be about star power. And there's no way you can keep Justin Fields and Chase Young out of this college football playoff, even if Minnesota does go on to beat them, which I don't think will happen. But who knows what will happen uh, in that championship game. So I think Ohio State is going to get in no matter what, as long as they beat Michigan, which everybody is anticipating that they will do, and then they go on to beat Minnesota as well in the Big Ten championship game as well. So I think Ohio State is going to get in no matter what. But Minnesota would definitely have an interesting case as well, but the one loss over Iowa is really killing them right now, and I think it's killing them more than what it should. But I think nobody wants to see Minnesota in the college football playoff, and I know that's your team. But <laughs> once again, it's all about ratings. Right? <laughs> nobody wants to see Minnesota in the college football playoff rankings, and then I want to apologize to the Golden Gopher fans that are listening right. to the podcast. But it's just reality, and I'm just stating my opinion. The, the committee wants star power in this event, and they want the headliner names to be in this event. And Minnesota just doesn't bring that to the table like Ohio State does. Right. And to, you, you want my honest opinion on this? I think Alabama gets in this Me year. Too. I, Me too. Me too. For the same reason you just mentioned. That, you know what? And the committee's playing it very well. But you know what? They, they put them outside the top four for, for you know, consecutive weeks, making th- – making, Fancy like okay now they're playing fair right you know Georgia gets a chance at the end of the day dude I think Bama just gets in just because like you said the committee values ratings man I just believe that 
and nothing drives ratings more than another Alabama Clemson matchup or another Alabama LSU rematch. I mean that that's that that's what's going to end up happening in my opinion. Especially if you, you can get that in the first round potentially a one seed LSU versus a four seed Alabama. I mean, come on, who's not going to watch that? I mean, right. you're, you're exactly. going to watch that over you know LSU Utah, right? I mean, come on, it, <laughs> right. it, 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 Alabama's going to get in. If Georgia loses, there's no way Alabama doesn't get in. No and, way. You know, It'd be interesting. I think if Georgia wins, then they have to get in. But if you honestly, I think LSU is going to beat them by twenty plus. I mean, you said it earlier. Wow. Georgia just does not look good. I mean, they they barely skated by some of the you know the bottom feeders of the SEC recently. I mean, this is a team that I think is just you know you know just getting by. Just they're just you know you know trugging along until they face LSU, and I think it's going to blow up in their face. I think it's going to be one of those things that could get out of hand really quick in the first half. Especially considering just how explosive LSU is offensively. And we know Georgia has playmakers, but they're not as explosive as LSU is just because Georgia does have weapons on the perimeter, but there's just a huge difference at the quarterback position, in my opinion. And I think Joe Burrow is able to manipulate and manufacture some explosive plays down the field just because he's not scared to test defenses and stretch them vertically as also horizontally. Uh, and I think from I think he's a little bit pedestrian in that department as far as being a bit reluctant to test teams down the field. So Georgia is more of your they they don't rely as much on chunk plays as LSU does, and they like to put ten to twelve play drives together over time just to wear defenses down. But with LSU, they have these explosive forty, fifty, sixty yard plays that they can hit in an instance. And I think that game, like you said, could get out of hand as a result of that. And I think the one thing that could help Georgia, though, is their running game. And even though it hasn't been as great as in years past, LSU's run defense has been pathetic the past few years. So maybe Georgia can shorten the game with DeAndre Swift and that the host of running backs that they do have in the backfield. Maybe they can bleed the clock a little bit just to keep the, the game close. But like you said, I, I think they would beat them by two touchdowns. The only team that beats LSU this year is, no, is a team that can match them in a shootout. We almost saw it with Alabama. If Alabama didn't make some early mistakes, you know, that two of fumble early on the game, that game would have been a lot closer than, you know, what it seemed like. Um, but, like, a team like Clemson comes to mind. Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne, Justin Ross, T. Higgins, they have the firepower to keep up with LSU, in my opinion. And I think they have a good enough defense to at least get a couple stops. Um, Georgia, it's one of those things where I don't think their defense is good enough to get a couple stops. And at the same time, Jake Fromm will not be able to keep up with Joe Burrow in a shootout, as you mentioned. So I, I really think LSU blows that one out of the water. And I think the real test comes in the college football playoff, as expected. It definitely is going to be interesting to see just because the college football playoff is always one of the most highly debated topics year in and year out. And we both said it's probably going to end up expanding to eight teams just because four teams just doesn't seem like enough. And there's always going to be that one team that feels as if they should have got in or they got snubbed. So I think within the next three or four years, it's eventually going to expand to eight teams as a result of that. But it's going to be interesting to see exactly how this whole entire thing unfolds, especially once we get to the, the conference championship games, just because they hold so much weight and there's so much dependent upon the results of those games. But before we move on, I want to remind the listeners about Roman. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. Just go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOn to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. If you can't visit Roman right now, you can find this and all other offers from LockedOn sponsors at LockedOnPodcast.com 
slash offers. Again, that's GetRoman.com slash LockedOn, and that's L-O-C-K-E-D to get a free online visit and free today shipping. And now for our favorite part of the show that we cannot wait to get to. And this is a segment that you previewed earlier on in the show. And you came up with this topic, and I think it's very interesting. So we are in the holiday season. We are in the spirit of Thanksgiving. And we know this is both one of our favorite holidays just because we both like eating food. And this this is what Thanksgiving is all about, spending time with family and also gathering around the TV for football. But in your case, you are actually going to the event where you did break your streak last time in Jerry's world. Kudos to you for finally breaking that winless streak. You were on the path uh, of the you, you, you were on the path of the Cincinnati Bengals and being winless and eventually giving <laughs> giving up hope. <laughs> but you did break that streak. You broke through. The tank is finally over. And you broke through with that first win. But now let's see if you can continue that streak. Yes, Jonah will be going to the Cowboys and Buffalo Bills game in Jerry's world. So good luck to Jonah. But just staying on topic. So what we're gonna do here is that we have Thanksgiving food that we have already set out in our in our show notes, and we're going to match it up with the prospect. So because of that, with you coming up with the topic, I'm going to hand it over to you, but I'll go ahead and list our first food that we will debate and matching up with the prospect. So we'll start off with, of course, the main course and the main dish on Thanksgiving, which is turkey. Oh, man. So we're going to do this back and forth. We're going to go through each food, but we're going to, you know, I'll, I'll say my turkey, then you go with your turkey, then we'll go to the next food. You, you, you got me there? I got you. All right. Turkey. Derek Brown, defensive tackle, Auburn. Why? <laughs> he is the star of the show. He's a plug-and-play, set it and forget it. I can't miss. You know what you're getting with him. I mean, he's not super flashy, but he's as reliable as they come. He's the meat on the bone, man. He's what you get on the plate. You put him in your lineup, and you set it and forget it for the next decade. He's the staple. Derek Brown, defense tackle Auburn, is my turkey. See, I took a bit of a different approach here just because I'm not a huge fan of turkey. and it's just How a dr- dare you? It's just a dry piece of meat to me. Are you kidding me? And it only comes around one time, a couple times a year. So Hold my turkey. My- <laughs> Hold on. Come on, man. Turkey is also a staple of Texas barbecue, may I add. And so I have it year-round. But it's just especially special on Thanksgiving, man. When you think of Thanksgiving, you think of turkey. How dare you slander turkey's name like this? Are you kidding me? Ham over turkey all day long. Oh, we will get into ham later. We will. So with my different approach, with turkey only coming around once or twice a year to me, my turkey was Raekwon Davis the defensive lineman from Alabama. We've all talked about his inconsistencies and how he only shows up a couple times a year. And even though he's one of the main staples of the Alabama's defense, especially on the first level, just like Turkey is on Thanksgiving, he just always leaves you with wanting more. And that's what that's the vibe how I get. That's the, that's the vibe a, I get from Turkey. It's how just, dare it's just, you? <laughs> it's just a dry piece of meat that just that leaves me wanting more. <laughs> it just leaves me with wanting more. So Raekwon Davis is my turkey. <laughs> Someone please clip this and post it on Twitter. <laughs> and please, please tag me in the mentions. And we will scorch Jordan for this. We will make sure to do that. So moving on, the next food that we will debate is ham. 
Yes. So I'm going to let you go ahead with that. Yes. I will gladly take Ham because Ham, as clearly the superior, the, the lesser version of Turkey overall, but has some small qualities, I will admit, that are individually better than Turkey, like the crispness and kind of like the sweet factor of it. Marvin Wilson. And, you know, <laughs> a very underrated player for Florida State, right? You know, Ham, I think, is very underrated and deserves a spot on a plate. But when comparing it to Turkey, or in this case, Derek Brown, I'd rather have Derek Brown. I think Derek Brown's a round one version of Marvin Wilson. And I think Marvin Wilson's a round two version of Derek Brown. So it's like, you know, I'd rather have Turkey, but there's a place for him. And I think Marvin Wilson, while clearly I think the lesser version of Derek Brown, I think he still has a place, you know, in this defensive tackle class. And I think he's going to be a value pick for some team. Just like Ham's kind of a value pick on the plate. You know, it's not the first thing you go to. But it's one of those things that has really good qualities to it. You know, the sweetness, the crispness. I like Marvin Wilson a lot. I think he's a, you know, uh, I, I, think, I think he's a three-down player. I think he's really proved his pass rush value. So he has some individual traits that are better than Derrick Brown. But Derrick Brown's just a staple. I think he's more consistent. And I think Derrick Brown's just going to be the better pro. That's a really good answer. But once again, I took a different approach here just because ham <laughs> is one of the best meats at Thanksgiving. <laughs> It's the most essential to me. It's the one thing that makes the go, makes the show go on my plate, and that's Derek Brown. He's oh ham. He's ham over turkey. Goodness. He's ham over turkey, just because <laughs> he's he's just a very sweet player, man. And whenever you get a nice glazed, sweet honey baked ham, there is just nothing better. And that's exactly what you get with Derek Brown. So he is my ham on my plate. Dude, I think it's so interesting. That we went defensive tackles, both of us, for ham and turkey. Like, <laughs> we could have chose big piece Joe Burrow. That's... We could have chose Chase Young. Yeah. We could have chose any of these guys. We chose these big <laughs> defensive tackles over anybody. I think that's super interesting. Definitely. It's, it's very interesting. So, the next food we have is mashed potatoes. Oh, baby. Let me tell you. You want to talk about as smooth and consistent that wants you going back for more and more when you watch this player on tape. Tyler Johnson, wide receiver, Minnesota. This guy is as smooth as they come at the release, running his routes against man coverage at the catch point. It just looks as smooth and silky as butter, man. Tyler Johnson cuts up defenses like it. This guy is consistent throughout. This guy has been one of the most consistent receivers in college football the last three years. I'm all about Tyler Johnson being mashed potatoes. Mashed potatoes is my favorite dish at Thanksgiving, and Tyler Johnson will be one of my favorite prospects to watch in this 2020 NFL draft class. So we definitely have a difference of opinions on this one once again. Are you? <laughs> so, no, come on. Don't, so, so don't. no, I like I love mashed potatoes. I will okay, say that. Okay, okay. Mashed potatoes are like the strength of the plate to me. Solid. So Big I, I just went I went with somebody that's rock solid. He's not flashy. And I went with Andrew Thomas. He's Very my best. He, he's Very my best potatoes just because he is the strength of that Georgia offensive line. He's very rock solid, and I think they are very dependable. And the person that's cooking mashed potatoes, there's just no impossible. It's just impossible to mess them up just because they're so good. Ooh, now they good can answer. they they can be a bit runny, but they still <laughs> they still are very tasty. Even though you do mess them up a little bit, yeah. and that's exactly what you're getting with Andrew Thomas. I just think he's the strength of the plate, and he's very rock solid. That's a great answer. I didn't even think of that. It's incredibly hard. So you think like a can't miss prospect. That yes. is a very that's a very good answer. So 
with our next dish. We are headed to Gravy Town, man. And let me tell you, I picked the most versatile player and one of the most versatile players in this draft. You can put him anywhere on the field, just like you can put gravy anywhere on your plate, and the food will still be delicious. I picked Hamza Nasruddin from Florida State. I knew it. <laughs> and this is a guy that you can play basically anywhere. You can you can blitz him. You can put him in man coverage. You can put him at linebacker. You can put him deep middle. It doesn't matter where you play him. He's going to get production. He's one of those players where, you know, I don't really need to, you know, need to have a set plan for him. I was like, you know, put him in my defense. I'll find a way to, to get him on the field. This is like gravy, man. It's like, you know, it's like people ask me, where do you want your gravy? It's like, just put it all over the plate. I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out later. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's, you know, Hans and Agile being to me is the epitome of gravy. And I almost picked Isaiah Simmons for the same thing. But I wanted to give my guy Hans and Agile a shout out because I've been on him since the summer. He's one of my favorite prospects to watch. And I can't wait to go full into his study on, 20, on 2019 tape. That's a really good answer. I like that a lot. But we had similar answers here. So we both went defensive back here. And I think just because of the smoothness of gravy, that's why I went with defensive back. And I'm sure you had a similar mindset as well. But with gravy, it just makes everything better around them, whether that's mashed potatoes or turkey, whatever you put it on, it completely covers it and makes it better. I went with Jeffrey Okuda here for gravy. Just because he's so smooth, just be, just how gravy is. Sometimes it's runny, just because he does get a bit sloppy in his technique, especially in zone coverage. But it's still delicious and enjoyable, no matter what it is. And it has a lot of upside, just because gravy makes everything better around it, whether you're putting it on mashed potatoes or turkey, like I alluded to earlier. He just makes everything better when you do put it on it and you cover it with that gravy. So I went with Jeffrey Okuda there. Dude, that is on. I like that answer a lot. See, we, we kind of had different takes for gravy and mashed potatoes, but I think I think we can both agree like that those are the right answers there. Oh, without um, question. So the next food item, and I know not like not everybody has mac and cheese at the Thanksgiving plate. Like I know some people have green beans instead, or green beans and mac and cheese. But mac and cheese to me is a staple on my Thanksgiving plate, and it provides a different pop and flair than the other foods do. I guess it, it kind of like it adds a different element to the dish, right? You get you have the turkey, you have the ham, you have all the proteins on there, you have the mashed potatoes, but the mac and cheese offers you a different flavor, right? It gives you that pop and that flair. When I think of that, I think of Brandon Ayuk from Arizona State. He just gives you that big playability. That's that good potential is, you, you can kind of just like you know take it to the next level, right? Like you can only go so so far with you know turkey, mashed potatoes, and ham. You need that flair on the plate too. That kind of stands out. The visual. Yellow the mash uh, of the macaroni and cheese, and you got the just the taste of the cheese coming out, man. It, it's just it's just a pop and flare that's unlike anything else on the plate. And Brendan Ayuk has that big playability for Arizona State. I think he's gonna end up being a first rounder, just as the mac and cheese would be a first rounder on my plate. That's a really good answer, and you know how important mac and cheese is to me. It's one of my favorite <laughs> dishes. It's one of my favorite dishes. It's one of my favorite dishes <laughs> at Thanksgiving, just because. I don't know. Uh, yeah, you follow me on Instagram, so you saw how important mac and cheese was to me yeah. going back to my days when I was That's playing. Right. So just a quick story. Uh, on Wednesdays, we had a day where that was dedicated to macaroni and cheese. That was the only day that they served it in the cafeteria when I was in college. I would be the first person in the cafeteria to get the cafeteria mac and cheese just because that's how important mac and cheese was to me. It's one of my That's favorite incredible. foods in the world. 
And I don't let a lot of people actually cook the mac and cheese that I do eat. I'm very picky about the certain mac and cheese that I eat, but it is, it is it is very important to me. So <laughs> I went with Joe Burrow here. That's oh. how important and essential the mac and cheese is to me. I had to get a quarterback here just because it makes the whole entire operation go. Now it's not like turkey or ham or anything like that, but without a plate, of mac and cheese is just completely incomplete. Just imagine, <laughs> just imagine LSU without Joe Burrow this year. That's how a Thanksgiving plate looks oh. without mac and cheese. You have to have the mac and cheese on the plate. It is very, very. Oh my goodness, I am dying. <laughs> this is this is unbelievable. Whatever you said, mac and cheese makes the whole operation work. I lost it. It's true. See, See, okay, here's the thing. I'm a big mac and cheese guy, too. Mm-hmm. But it's, the fact that you love it so much, it's almost like one of those things where, like, man, I would I find someone as much as Jordan loves mac and cheese. Like, I <laughs> <laughs> so the last thing, obviously, you can't have Thanksgiving without a solid pumpkin pie. And for me, this is, you know, pumpkin pie every year. You see it on the table. You're always eyeing it after you eat, but you're kind of waiting to get that food coma. So you kind of always have it like in the evening. You always always have it like during the Sunday night game or the Thursday night game on NBC. You're always just waiting for it. But when you have it, it looks it looks light and delicate, but man, it packs a punch and it's pretty filling when you have it. And the the first uh, player I thought of with that was Caleb on Chase on. He's you know he's sweet. He has you know he's really explosive, thin guy. You think okay, yeah, he looks you know like a you know. Oh, it looks too light in the frame. It looks like he doesn't really pack a punch at all. But man, he gets you in that long arm, and he's a he uses length really well. Man, he 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 can pack a punch. He's a tough guy to deal with at the line of scrimmage and the point of attack. Caleb on chase on man, he's sweet, but he also has a side of him, man, to where you do not want to deal with. And that's the thing of pumpkin pie that I think of is Caleb on chase on from LSU. That's an awesome answer. Just because you forget about some of the stuff that he brings to the table, just because. I think he's wrongly labeled as just being a pass rusher for the most part, but he's very impressive against the run as well. And like you said, he gets forgetting about in some areas, and that's exactly what happens with pumpkin pie when it is on the table just because sometimes you get so full from the main course, you just forget about the dessert, and the pumpkin pie is sitting there just like Kalevon Chason is, and I thought he was very impressive against Alabama. I know you highlighted that game in a couple shows ago, just how well he played in that game. Yeah, man, I, I, I'm a big Caleb on Chase on guy. And I think I'm the first analyst, you know, to do this so far. But, you know, my latest mock draft, I had him going 10th overall to the Arizona Cardinals. And I think so far of any mock draft I've seen, I think I'm the only person to put him in the top 10. And I'm actually kind of surprised by that. You look at how good LSU's been this year and how good Chase on's been. And you look at his traits and what he's going to do with the combine. You kind of combine that all together and you think to yourself, how is he not going to be a top 15, top 20 pick in this draft? And, you know, I, a lot of people tell me that's way too early for him. And I think that's just because, like, nobody has seen it yet. I think once we get closer to March and April, I think Chase on's going to be firmly in that 8 to 14 discussion. I'm with you. He's going to blow the doors off the combine. He's going to test, like, oh freakishly gosh. good at the combine. I think he's one player that's going to be a huge riser, especially – in kind of a cluttered edge rusher class, and I kind of kind of tweeted about this earlier. This is a really deep edge rush class, especially at the top. And some guys I mentioned were Curtis Weaver, uh, Julian Aquara, uh, Alden Robinson, and there's a whole bunch of other names that I'm forgetting as well, uh, along with Kalevon Chason as well. So 
I'm really interested to see exactly how really everything is untangled with this edge rusher class and really how NFL teams have them stacked on their board. And it's going to be very similar to wide receiver and corner and running back as well. There's going to be 32 different boards, of course, and there's going to be 32 different orders for this entire group. So I'm really excited to see how they have this group really ranked. But just staying on subject with the pumpkin pie, this is probably my favorite answer of anyone so far, just because I think it matches up perfectly with the theme that we have going on. So for my pumpkin pie, it seems to always be forgotten about, but it is very delicious and tasty once you pay attention to it or dive into it. And I went with Alabama wide receiver Devontae Smith here. Oh, and this is a perfect answer. This I is say perfect, that because I'm upset. I did not think of this. <laughs> I say that because Jerry Judy, uh, Henry Ruggs, Jalen Waddle, all of those guys, they are the main course for whatever reason. They get all the attention just because they're making all of these explosive plays, they're making these miraculous catches, and they're making people miss in the open field. But with Devontae Smith, once you do taste it, you dive into it. It is very delicious. We saw what he did. I believe it was against Ole Miss where he had over two, 300 yards receiving and five touchdowns, I believe it was, where he exploded in that game. And that's what pumpkin pie brings to the table. Sometimes you're too full to, to travel to the dessert table or just venture over to it, to the pumpkin pie. But once you get a taste of it, it is very delicious. And I think that's exactly what happened with Devontae Smith, especially when I paid attention to him against LSU. He gave Derek Stingley all he could handle in that game. And his releases off the line of scrimmage were very impressive. Of course, he had the two touchdowns in that game where he was he he was just doing whatever he wanted to against Derek Stingley. And all uh, Christian Fulton, he got him a couple times as well. So Devontae Smith, he's always that forgotten about person in the Alabama wide receiver corps, similar to how pumpkin pie is on the Thanksgiving dinner table. This is such a perfect answer, and I'm upset that I didn't think of Devontae Smith because I was thinking the same exact thing for my, like, thought process on pumpkin pie. Like, I think, okay, you have different layers. You, it's it kind of, like, deceiving. Like, you think it's, like, light and delicate, but it's actually kind of filling. So I went with Caleb on Chase on there, but I was also thinking a guy like Khalid Kareem, right? You know, with Julian Aquara up there, Khalid Kareem is a guy, you know, you know, we look at him, you don't think, okay, he's probably like, you know, he doesn't look like all that explosive or not. Right. But man, this guy can really bend and get around the edge. I think he is, I think he's going to be a top 50, top 60 pick. I, I've just seen so many archetypes like, you know, Kareem go in that range. And I think the NFL likes players like him, you know, play that big school, put up production. I think he's going to do okay at the combine, won't blow off the roof or anything, but he's a damn good player. And that's kind of like pumpkin pie, right? Like, you don't know if you're going to want to go over there, but once you, you know, get a look at him and you get a taste of the pumpkin pie, man, it, you, you're going to like Khalid Kareem a lot. I think this guy is going to rise a bunch in the draft community once people get through his tape. I'm with you, and I'm not a huge, huge fan of him. I think he's probably a guy that can be a serviceable starter or a high-end backup, but he's going to be a guy that plays in the league for a very long time just because he has such a well-rounded skill set and he, he doesn't have like one dominant trait over the other I just think he's very good uh, in, in the things that he really does master for the most part so while Agora gets a lot of the love I think Kareem has been the more consistent player uh, over the years that they have been there so uh, I'm very excited to see like I said earlier how this edge rusher class is untangled and how teams stack them up on their board but that was a fun show man that probably was my favorite one uh, of the podcast that we have done so far. And those are just some of the things that we want to bring to the table uh, with our podcast. We want to lay our hair down a little bit sometimes and just have some fun with this thing. You don't have to always be serious. And that's what we bring to the table. We want to bring a little bit of humor 
to this as well. We don't want to be drawn out long and boring or anything like that. We want to make you guys laugh sometimes as well. That's what we're here for. We really enjoy what we do with our jobs. But did you have anything else to add before we get out of here? Man, we got to give a reason for our listeners to give us a five-star review, man. Oh, yeah, tell of you. course. Yeah, hey, man, we're going to be – all the message I have for you guys is is that if you like this podcast, man, we are – and you give us a five-star review for this podcast, we're going to be doing a lot more of this stuff, man. More themes, more, you know, interactions involving you guys on Twitter. Just keep sending us questions, man. We'll keep this, you know, fun, loving kind of podcast and themed episodes going for you guys. Definitely. But once again, we are the Locked On College Football Podcast. I am Jordan Reed. He is Jonah Tools. Thank you guys for listening and happy holidays. Happy Thanksgiving. We will see you guys again soon.